Open up your Bibles to John chapter 1 this morning. If you don't have a Bible, you do have a Bible because it's in the seat, underneath the seat in front of you. And uh, you are welcome to use it this morning, write in it, take it home with you, take a few, give them to some people. That is for you to keep. Uh, what did I say? John 1, that's right. John chapter 1. We are uh, continuing our series this morning that we've been doing the last handful of weeks called Jesus Today. Jesus Today. Has anybody been encouraged in the last two weeks? Jesus today, talking about, okay, Jesus was alive a long time ago. The Bible was written a long time ago, but we believe Jesus is still alive, and we believe his word is living and active, and if that's true, then this should not just impact what we do on a Sunday morning, or it should not just be stories that we know from long ago, but if Jesus is who he says he is and does what he says he does, he should impact everything about today. And as followers, we, uh, we ought to have confidence and ability to engage the world that we're living in today that is in such desperate need of Jesus, we should be able to step into these situations, relationships, and contexts with the power of Jesus today and see him do what he promises to do. And so that's my heart in this series is that uh, it's not just something that we talk about on Sunday and sounds good in a Sunday sermon, hopefully, but that it impacts everything that happens to you on Monday morning, Wednesday afternoon, phone calls and conversations, that we are mobilized, encouraged, and equipped to step in to be who God has called us to be as his followers in this world. That's what I'm after. Anybody else? I hope that's why you came to church this morning. If not, you're here anyways, so we'll just, you can just jump on the train, and we're going. Jesus Today is our series that we are in. When I was growing up, uh, that was my mom. When I was growing up, uh, every time the Olympics came around, uh, we were all pretty excited about it. And, you know, I don't know, if the, I don't know if you're the same way, but when the Olympics start, you suddenly care a lot about things that you care nothing about, like curling and figure skating and all kinds of things. And all of a sudden, you're an expert in a lot of things, right? Like, you've watched one broadcast, and so you know how gymnastics works but really, you don't know anything about the scoring and why there's decimal places and any of that bit. It's like degree of difficulty. It's like it looks hard, you know? I don't know. So we would always uh, watch gymnastics. Both my parents were gymnasts growing up and in college, and so they're athletic. <laughs> don't worry about it. Um, so we would always watch gymnastics, and one of the things that just consistently blew my mind was when the guys would get on the rings. That's bananas. And shout out, Steve Zanaka did the rings, so... To this day, he claims that he could do an iron cross, but there's no video, no pictures, so. <laughs> oh, thank you, okay. Uh, so I, couldn't, I can't take it when the guys do the rings and when all those little girls do the balance beam, right? Like, they're four and a half feet tall, and the stuff they're doing on that thing that's taller than them is outrageous. They are walking on this thing. You know, I, I built this myself, if you couldn't tell, so. Uh, just caring about you this, this week, trying to figure out, you know. Okay, so there's so, on something that's like about as wide as a two by four. If you know the exact measurements, I don't care. It's about as wide as a two by four. And they're like four and a half feet off the ground. They're four and a half feet tall. And they're doing like flips and tricks and spins. And like, I can't even walk, I can't even preach on it. And I'm watching and I'm like, this is like superhuman. Like there's no way that I am the same species as that person. 
You know, like, that's how I feel when I watch the NBA, too. You're like, we are not the same creature. You know, like, that, I am so far from that. So they're doing all these amazing things. It's crazy, and my jaw is dropped open because of what they're doing on this crazy thing that I can't even preach on. And they're jumping and being craziness, and it's awesome. And at the end, they jump off and do, like, 16 backflips and a spin, and you're like, wow. And then they get an 8.2, and you're like, can we give them a, some credit? Like, come on. So they go, they're doing their whole thing, and it's, but as amazing as it is, it's also terrifying because no matter how competent they look, I swear I'm about to watch somebody die. You know, like, I just want to shout, like, you're amazing, I'm glad you've worked so hard, but get off the balance beam. Like, please, can we just stop this madness? Like, you are going to die. Thankfully, you've not seen that yet. But I just want to shout, get off the balance beam. It looks scary, it looks hard, and let's just move on to something a little bit different. And I think that uh, so many times, us as Jesus followers today, I think that if we're honest, we feel like we're trying to live our lives on a balance beam. And uh, if you've been in church or around church people, you've probably heard this balance beam, re this balance beam referenced a few times, maybe not directly as a balance beam, but there's this thing that we talk about with that we're, this line that we're trying to walk in, uh, it's, it's this, this balance beam of grace and truth. And we're like living through this life and this world, and we're like, okay, we're like followers of Jesus. So we got truth and all of that, but, but so, so that he's full of grace, but then there's also truth of like sin and things that matter, and like not everything's great in the world, and not like everything that all my friends are doing is perfect, and, and not everything I'm doing is perfect, but I don't want to offend anybody, so there's grace, but I want to stand in truth, and I just don't really know what to do. Walking on eggshells. <laughs> Don't want to offend anybody, don't want to hurt anybody, but also want to be a good Christian and like help people, you know, because you're watching people. And, and I think even just especially thinking about the, the you and, and the people I know, like nobody's trying to like prove some massive point. We just want to help people because God set us free. And so we want people free, but I don't want to offend you. And I don't even know what to say sometimes. And I just, this is how it feels. Like, okay, yeah, that's awesome. And I want to preach a message to you this morning as part three of our series, Jesus, today, uh, that I hope is an encouragement and that I hope we leave here challenged and equipped and encouraged. And the title is simply, Get Off the Balance Beam. Get Off the Balance Beam. So I believe that so many times Jesus wants to shout to his church, just like I want to shout to those little girls sometimes. Let's just get off of this thing and move on to some more stable ground because it's hard to balance. What does the Bible say versus what culture is doing versus what I, what I want to do? What, what is the balance between the truth and your truth, the, the truth and somebody else's truth, the balance of what God says and how people feel about it and, and, and emotions and, and all of these sorts of things. And, and last week we talked about 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It says that we are... Uh, new creations in Christ. We are, we are ambassadors of, for Jesus. It says that God is, is making his appeal to the world through us. Be reconciled to God. Sounds awesome and like confident. <laughs> but I'm shaky. But I'm shaky. And I want to get off the balance beam. In John chapter 1, 
John, who was uh, one of Jesus' closest followers, is recording the gospel, the story of the life of Jesus. He's very close to the end of his life. He has done a lot, seen a lot, been around the block, and he knows that he is about to die soon. And he knows that as one of Jesus' closest friends, as an eyewitness account of the life of Jesus, he needs to write down what he saw, not just as a historical record, but to give a revelation of Jesus and who he is and why does he matter today? Because at this point, Jesus has been dead. Jesus was in the past, but John wanted to make a statement. No, Jesus matters today. Jesus matters today. So that's why he pens the book of John and God uses it as his word to us this morning. And I want to read a few verses as we jump around John chapter 1. We get an introduction to Jesus and who he is and what he has to do with us today. In John chapter 1, verse 1 through 5, it says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Okay, that's a lot. There's a lot of big things in those five verses. It's packed with so many things, and it's packed with some really significant answers. John, right off the bat, he's swinging for the fences. He's swinging for the fences, and he wants to settle some things in our hearts right off the bat with this account of who is Jesus What does he have to do with today? So he goes hard. He goes hard, and he first answers the question, who who is Jesus? Why are people still talking about him? Why are people still following him? Who is Jesus? Well, verses 1 through 3, he goes right for it. He says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Who is Jesus? He's God. He's God, not not a teacher, not a moral guy, not a philosopher, not somebody just to be respected. He was God. He was in the beginning with God, so he's been God this whole time. He didn't become God when he was born. He was already God. He just decided to take on flesh for our sake. He is God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. So who is Jesus? He is God. He is the power behind all things, the all-creating God, and not just the power behind all things being created, but the purpose for which all things were created. This is who Jesus is. John's swinging. He's coming out swinging hard. Who is Jesus? He answers a second question in these first five verses. Why did he come? This is who Jesus is. Well, why did he come? In verse four, he says, why did he come? In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Why did Jesus come? He came because he was life, and we needed life. He's just that good. That's why he came. So he came to give life, and he came for his life to be the light of man. (laughs) What did he do? Third question that John answers in these five verses, verse chapter five, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. He is God. He came to give life, and his light shines in the darkness. He stepped into our darkness. This is what he did. He shone the light of his life, and our darkness didn't overcome it. What did he do? He won. He is who we need. He came to give us what we need, and he did it. He did it, and it worked. John goes swinging for the fences in these first five verses. He continues on in this amazing introduction of Jesus that is the first chapter of John. In verse 9 through 11, he goes on. He says, The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. 
He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. We get this mega introduction in verses 1 through 5. But honestly, for me, in verses 9 through 11, this is where Jesus starts to kind of land on earth for me. This is where I started to actually connect with Jesus. Verses 1 through 5 are inspiring, and I need that. But verses 9 through 11 here, they kind of give me some hope and help me understand and start relate, relating to Jesus. Because uh, after I read verses 1 through 5 about who God is, what he's like, all these sorts of things, you would expect, okay, if you came to shine the light and the darkness did not overcome and all this kind of stuff, that like, you're God, it must have been easy. And if that's true, that's great. But like, that's hard to connect with because like who I am and what I'm trying to do and what God's called me to do like, is not easy. And so that's great if it was easy for God, but like it wasn't, it's not that easy for me. I don't know if it's easy for you, but sometimes things are hard, at least for me. Anybody else have a couple hard things? Everyone? Okay, got six or seven humans in the room. <laughs> he starts to connect with me in, in verse nine because as I'm reading about who Jesus is and what he was like and who he was, I start to see him in verses nine through 11 uh, standing on a familiar balance beam. That, that I seem to know a lot about because I'm trying to live this life. And I'm just glad to know that, that Jesus knows what the balance beam feels like. It says this. It says, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. Ooh, yeah. Go, Jesus. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. Okay. So here he is. He's God, and he's being God, and he's saying he's God. And like, okay, but... They don't even believe him. He, he, he came to his own, praise the Lord, but, but his own people did not even receive him. And I see Jesus starting to walk on this balance beam. The tension of like what it's supposed to be like, what it is, you know, I, trying to be everything. And I'm encouraged that Jesus understands my balance beam as his follower. And he understands that like it wasn't easy being Jesus, so it's okay that it's not always easy being a Jesus follower. I appreciate that. So we meet Jesus, we've met him, we know who he is, we, we found out what he has done, and we find out that Jesus understands this balance beam. He doesn't just shout at us as somebody who isn't familiar with what we're going through, but he understands. So my next question is, okay, great, this is who he is, this is what he experienced, so what do he do about it? Because like, I I, I'm tired of the balance beam. If we can get off this thing, then let's do that. At least I'm in. So what did he do? What did he do? Our introduction continues in verse 14. It says, And the word became flesh, and, and he dwelt among us. And it's like, okay, cool. I got that. The word became flesh. I got that up at the top. That's awesome. He became flesh. God became flesh. And he dwelt among us. Okay, cool. That's 9 to 11. Yep, I got that part. And then it goes on, and we've seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the Father. And now I'm confused. Because... Last I saw Jesus, he was on the balance beam that I know a lot about, and now we're talking about, we've seen glory in Jesus, and I'm like, there's nothing glorious about the balance beam. Trust me, I'm on it. Where, where, how did we get from the balance beam to now we've seen the glory of God as the sonly son of the Father, however it says it there? 
Well, what, so what did he do? How, how, did, how did he get from the balance beam to the glory of God? That, that's what I'm interested in. And, and the, these next five words, I believe, connect the final dot that we've got to connect as Jesus followers today to find out, well, how does Jesus then connect to Jesus today? We've connected some dots. Who was Jesus? Why did he come? What did he do? But the final dot that we've got to connect is how did he do it? How did he do it? Because I want to do the things that Jesus did, right? Like if Jesus matters today, let's see this happen. Let's do this. So how did he do it? Well, these next five words, I feel like God connects these, this final dot for us. And in five words, he says, get off the balance beam. When these next five words, get off the balance beam, he came. How did he do it? Full of grace and truth. Balancing grace and truth 50-50. We got some grace over here, and we got some truth over here. And so if we're balancing this, then we got to figure out when to sprinkle a little grace, when to sprinkle a little truth, when to speak a little grace, when to speak a little truth. That's what the balance looks like, a little bit of that and a little bit of this. But Jesus did not come and tell us that as we followed him, that we would need to get on our balance beam daily and follow him. Jesus, when he spoke to us, he said, I didn't come to balance grace and truth. I came full of grace and truth. And he says that if you're going to follow me, you take up the cross and follow me. You take up the cross and follow me. Not the balance of grace and of truth, but the fullness of grace and of truth. And Jesus demonstrates for us on the cross that the life that we're called to live for the life of being rooted instead of flimsy is found in grabbing onto the fullness of grace and the fullness of truth. If you want to follow Jesus today, don't worry about flimsily trying to navigate when do you do this, when do you do that. Just walk with Jesus and learn from his example, full grace, full truth all the time. This is the cross. This is the cross that Jesus has called us to. He says, get off the balance beam. Because the world doesn't need a shaky church. The world doesn't need me as a Jesus follower, you as a Jesus follower, standing on our balance beam trying to help. In a storm, nobody needs a weather vane that freely spins in whichever way the wind blows. They need an anchor. They need a city on a hill. They need a cornerstone a solid rock that they can latch themselves onto, find hope and safety, direction. They need a lighthouse in the storm, not a weather vane. And we've got to get off of the balance beam and embrace the cross, not getting rid of grace and truth, but being rooted in Jesus who came full of grace and truth. This is who I want to be. This is who I want to be, and I believe that if we can connect this dot, if we can embrace this cross, we're going to find 
balance that we've never had before. We're going to find rootedness and groundedness and security and confidence that we've never had before. We're going to find equipping and encouragement and, 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 and being mobilized by the Spirit of God to be these ambassadors like we've never seen before. And I believe that if we can embrace this cross, if we can choose to give our lives to figure out how do we live full of grace and full of truth, never compromising on one for the other, but saying rooted not in grace, not rooted in truth, but rooted in Jesus. We got to be Jesus people. I don't want to just be a grace guy. I don't want to just be a truth guy. I want to be a Jesus guy. I want to follow Jesus. If we can embrace this cross, I believe that we will leave the world around us never to be the same. I believe that we will be who God has called us to be. We will be the anchor in the storm that the world so desperately needs if we can embrace this cross, if we can choose to follow our Jesus and embrace full of grace and full of truth. Now, I want to get really practical because me standing up on here with a wooden cross that now I don't know what to do with <laughs> does you no good tomorrow, Right? JB, you want to help me out here? I didn't think about this part, what I did next. Here, will you take this over to the side? There we go. I don't know if you saw that. I did that one-handed, so. <laughs> I want to get practical. Can we get practical? You want to get practical? Okay, cool. Pastor, that sounds good. Cool sermon illustration. What'd that do, take you five minutes? Because it looks like it. Three, thank you very much. But what do we do now? Let's get practical. Come on, pastor, let's get practical. I'll give you practical if you're ready to be uncomfortable. Can we do this? Because I'll be uncomfortable with you. Because I don't know if you know this, but Jesus died on the cross. And it would be easier sometimes to try to balance. It would feel a little bit better because the cross is not just like, okay, cool, yeah, let's do full of grace and truth. There's tension in the cross. And if we're going to embrace the cross, we've got to embrace the tension of full of grace and full of truth. I'm not just going to get you fired up and tell you it's going to work great and easy all the time because it's not. But it will always work. It may just not work easy. Right? So let's get practical. How do we be full of grace and full of truth? There's a couple of spheres of our life that I want to address this morning. And uh, I want to do it uh, because I want us to be mobilized and equipped to engage the world and the life that we are living, right? Like I said, I don't want this to just matter on a Sunday so you can check the church box. Like, I believe that God wants to impact the people in your world through you. And he wants to mobilize you and that you are friends with the people that you are friends with on purpose, that you lurk at the place that you work with on purpose, that you have influence in the spheres that you have influence with on purpose. God is ready to move in and through your life, and I want you to be ready to do it. And I think that building off of last week, this shift of perspective and the shift of priorities that we talked about, I want to talk about how do we practically live out this full of grace and full of truth in the middle of the world that we're living. So we're going to go into it. And uh, you, there may be some uh, lines that we cross that some people don't think should be crossed in church and all that, but we're going to do it anyways because we want to be free and set the world free. <laughs> That's what I'm for, at least. So I want to talk about uh, our politics here. And how we live in this political environment full of grace and full of truth. Are you uncomfortable yet? <laughs> so 
Um, I'm just going to kind of go down a list here. And, you know, like I said, I think if we're going to get really honest and practical, this might not be like the smoothest looking thing in the whole world, but we're going to go for it anyways. And I'm going to try to help. I want to talk about what's okay for us as believers. And I'm not talking to you according to your party or anything like that. I'm going to speak to you as if you have decided that you want to follow Jesus and you've given your life to him and you want to be about the purposes of God, which means you are subject to that. You are not prioritized over that. It means that you have said, I want to be about Jesus first, not about me and not about anything else. I always want to be about the kingdom first. So that's how I'm going to talk to you. I'm going to make that assumption about you. If that's not true about you, then most of this won't apply to you, and you can take what you like and leave what you don't. But for those of you who do want to be followers of Jesus, that's who I'm talking to this morning. Is anybody in this room in that category? Okay, got a handful of us. That's good. I'm just kidding. So as Jesus followers, what's okay in this political system? What's okay for us to, lit, to do as we live full of grace and full of truth? I want to tell you that it's okay to disagree with things, people. It's okay to disagree. And I, what I really want to say, too, I want to make sure that you understand I'm not talking about uh, people that you see on a committee on C-SPAN. I'm talking about people in this room and people in your life. It's okay to disagree. It's okay for us to disagree on some things. It's okay to be a Republican. It's okay to be a Democrat. It's okay to be dissatisfied with some situations, with some policies, and with some decisions. It's okay to support some decisions and some situations and some policies. Some policies. It's okay to have an opinion about how you think things ought to be and what direction you think things ought to go in. And it's okay for you to put energy and focus and resources behind that opinion that you have. It's okay. It's okay. But I want to talk about what's not okay. What's not okay is to hate people because they disagree with you. Like anyone ever. I don't care what his or her name is or what the, his or her title is. It's not okay to hate them because they disagree with you. It's not okay to attack people, slander people, gossip about people, or curse people, no matter what you disagree with about them, no matter what they've done to hurt you or someone else, no matter what their title is, no matter what everyone else is doing, and no matter who you're talking to, and no matter if that person that you're talking about will overhear what you're saying or care about what you're saying, it's not okay. It's not okay. You gave up the right to that when you said, Jesus, you can have my life. Because instead of getting offended by you, he died for you. It's not okay to think less of someone just because they're in a different party than you or have a different opinion on a certain subject, regardless of how passionate you are about that subject and your opinion on it. You can disagree. You cannot dislike each other because of it. And again, I'm not just talking about people on the political committee. I'm talking about people you might be sitting next to right now. And it's not okay for your social media or for your public conversation with an individual or a group of people to communicate the message that if people are going to want to come to your church or follow your Jesus, they need to f come in line with your opinions first. It's not okay. It's not okay. And I really want you to consider what you're putting out on your social media. You are allowed to have your opinion, but let's get our priorities straight. Because there are people looking through our Facebook pages, our Instagram profiles, and seeing that there's a cross there in our bio. 
And then they're seeing the way that we're communicating about our opinions and the way we're prioritizing our opinions politically over the people that all of these things and all of us are supposed to be serving. And the message that we're communicating is, you can come to Jesus, just agree with me first. And even if you don't mean it that way, think about it that way. I'm not saying that you always mean it like that. I'm just saying, let's, let's take responsibility and go the extra mile. Say, I, I wanna let, if, if someone's gonna stumble about this gospel, let it be about Jesus not about me. And so we can talk. We can be passionate. But let's not put up roadblocks. We will not be a church that makes people think they can't come because of which side of the Brett Kavanaugh case they land on. We will not be a church that makes people reconcile their opinions with ours before we allow them to hear the message of being reconciled with God. We will not be a church that uses someone else's sin as a scapegoat for our own, and we will not be a church that views people according to their opinions, their beliefs, and their convictions, even if that's how they define themselves, because we know Jesus, and we know what Jesus says about people, and he's not prioritizing their political affiliation. We get to love people. Can we get a little more uncomfortable? I want to help, and I need it. So politically, we've talked about politically, how do we operate in this political atmosphere? And I want to talk about culturally, socially, how do we live in this cultural environment that we're living in? How do we carry this message of reconciliation with God in a culture that so oftentimes doesn't care or want or feel the need for any reconciliation with a God that may or may not exist? I feel the tension sometimes. Anybody else? I need to engage this. And I want to encourage us to be a people full of truth. Full of truth in a world that just tells you to live your truth. Submit your truth to Jesus. If you're a Jesus follower, you don't get your truth. You get Jesus. And that's good news. Because he's way better than your truth anyways. Like, the world doesn't need me and my truth. The world needs Jesus. Like, I know me. I'm not that smart, I'm not that big, I'm not that strong. They need Jesus. We've got to be full of truth. We must be a people full of conviction of who is Jesus. Why did he come? What did he come to do? How did he do it? We must be rooted in the truth of God, and we have to have grace for people to not behave like we behave when they don't believe what we believe. Jesus walked that tension all the time. He somehow had this ability as God himself to show up around all these people and spend so much time with all these people who lived in direct opposition to him and what he was preaching because he had grace. He had grace for them. He had grace for them to say, you know what, I'm not gonna hold you responsible. I'm not gonna go after your behavior before we address your belief. So let's, let's go after that first. Let's talk about that first. I'm gonna give you grace to have some room here. Let's talk about these beliefs and we'll make some room for some behavior along the way. I wanna talk about socially the difference between facts and truth. This has really helped me. You may totally disagree with me on this, but I hope it helps you too. I want us to be a people that understand that in our social and in our cultural world, there's a difference between facts and truth. And again, this is good news because in our social and cultural environment, everybody's divided based on what the facts say. You put a case in front of the public and you will get a rally on both sides. 
If you change the color of somebody's skin, you will get a rally on both sides. If somebody dies at the hands of somebody, you will get a rally for both sides. And both sides will wave studies and wave statistics and wave the facts about why they are right and you are wrong. And why I am right and therefore you hate me and so I'm going to hate you too. Because clearly you don't understand the facts. And if you knew the facts, you would be on my side. And I'm on my side because I'm right because the facts say so. So let's all get across on the facts. There's a difference between facts and truth. And as a Jesus follower, I want to encourage you and free you to be more concerned with the truth than the facts. This is what I mean. Let's take our racial climate and the rallies that happen when another unarmed black man is shot by police. Let's talk about this. Because I'm living in that world. I don't know if anybody else is. A man dies and rallies happen on both sides. So where do we land? It's easy to get sucked into the whirlwind of, well, what do the facts say? Where was he? What was he doing? What was his background? Is it, this study says that proportionally uh, there's more black men killed than anybody else. Well, this study shows that there's more white guys that are killed. And then all the brown people are wondering, what about us too? And then red and yellow. And, and, and we, we all of a sudden we've divided because everybody's trying to say, well, what are the facts say? Because I want to be right and I want to be on the right side of this. And before I can engage this situation, I need to understand what the facts say. But I want to tell you to look for the truth. The truth is, it doesn't matter who you are, what color you are, what side of the rally you're on. The truth is you're scared. The truth is people are hurting. The truth is there's widows on both sides. The truth is, is there's kids with no daddies on both sides. The truth is there's people that are worried for their own health and where our society is going on both sides. And if we can focus on the truth, we can speak to their hearts and not get distracted by the facts. You are free to love everybody, <laughs> to be full of truth. The truth is Jesus loves people and people are hurting. And that means we get to step in and show them grace. Say, so I don't, regardless of which facts you're rallying behind, I love you. And all of this stuff, your fear, your pain, your loss, your discouragement, your trauma, your Jesus gives grace. And he wants to touch your heart. I want us to be a people full of grace and full of truth. I want to talk about another elephant in the room and get a little bit more uncomfortable. And that is sexuality in our culture. Talk about puts you on the balance beam, right? I felt it as a room, we just got on it. <laughs> we need to be full of grace and we need to be full of truth. The truth is that homosexuality, bisexuality, transgender, it's sin. It goes against the design of God. It's not what God made people for. And it's not going to lead to life. And the rest of the fullness of truth is, is so is gossip, and so is pride, and so is slander, and so is pornography, and so is masturbation, and so is sleeping with people you're not married with, and so is messing around with people, and so is reading stuff just to get that rise that you want in your heart. So is hate. So is outbursts of anger towards our kids. You want the full truth? All have sinned 
and fallen short of the glory of God. And there's grace. There's grace for all of us. There's grace for me. There's grace for you. And there's grace for them. Whoever your them is and for whatever reason they are them, there's grace. There's grace. And we can't talk about all of this without addressing the sphere that all of us find ourselves in this morning, and that is church. A place that can have so much division so often. How do we live with one another full of grace and full of truth? I want us as a people to rally around the truth, and his name is Jesus. He said, I am the way, I am the truth. Jesus is the truth. Period. Let's anchor ourselves to Jesus. And we've got to understand that in the midst of the truth of Jesus, there's room for a lot of things to be true. It's true that uh, somebody did something one time to advance the kingdom and it worked that way. That's true. It doesn't make it the truth. It's true that you may prefer something a certain way. That's true. It may, it's true that uh, you may have a preference of a style some way. It may be true that uh, you wish something would happen maybe differently even around here because it's in the Bible. And you, it might be true that the way that you think things ought to be done sometimes, you've seen it work before or you see it in the Bible. That's all true. But that doesn't necessarily make it the truth. What I'm trying to say is that in the midst of Jesus, there's room for differences for all of us. And if we want to be full of truth, that means we need to be full of Jesus. And if we're going to be full of grace, that means that there's grace for people to walk it out and to follow him in different expressions, different denominations, different times of day, different churches down the street, different opinions on how loud the worship should be, different opinions on whether we should do this, that, sit, stand, here, there, wherever. There's differences. It can all, there's a lot of things that can be true in the midst of the truth of Jesus. Let's have grace for one another, guys. Let's stop dividing over things that are both true and neither one is the truth. If you are doing something differently than another believer is doing something and you're both trying to do it for the sake of the kingdom, it doesn't make one of you right and one of you wrong. It makes both of you needed. <laughs> Again, Oh, God, please use more than this one pastor and this one church and this one sermon and these few worship songs. And Come on, somebody. Oh, God, please, please, please. Every age, every color, every culture, God, use them all. Because I don't know about you, but I need Jesus. I don't need a certain style or a certain preference. I need Jesus. And as the people of God, we must be anchored to Jesus as the truth. And he must be our cornerstone, the one who we are trying to line ourselves up with. Like I said, when I'm talking to Jesus followers here. That means that like me, my preferences, my opinions, my natural inclinations, my feelings, they're all submitted to Jesus and what he says. And so you can call me on stuff and I can call you on stuff because we've got to be full of truth. And we have to be full of grace, realizing that there's room for all of us to be on process, like learning how to leave our sin behind us and be this new creation that God said he are. 
The truth isn't just speaking the truth in love doesn't mean I get to tell you anything I want and not worry about your feelings. Speaking the truth in love means, hey, you're screwing this up and you don't have to anymore. Let's repent and follow Jesus and experience life and I'm with you for the journey. This is who we are. As we close this morning, there's one more thing that I think has to be said and that is this, that if we want to live our lives anchored in the cross, we cannot expect to come out of it without any scars. We can't expect to live anchored in the cross and come away with no scars. It would be easier to just be religious. It would be way easier to be religious and get mad at everybody who disagrees with you so you never have to be talked to by people who make you uncomfortable and you never have to be corrected by anything because you can just be a jerk. Like that's way easier, right? That's way easier, but then you will never experience the power of the cross because you'll be so busy putting people on it. And it'd be easier to just be flaky and not really stand for anything and not really offend anybody and not really make a point. It, it would be a lot easier. It would be a lot easier to do that. And, you know, you'll never have to experience the tension of the cross because no one would ever have a problem with you because <laughs> you don't really stand for anything. It would be easier. But we are Jesus people. And Jesus did not take the easy way. Instead, he demonstrated his own love for us in this, that when we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And I wanna embrace the cross. I wanna live full of grace and full of truth. It'll hurt. It will cost. It will. It'll cost you friends. It'll cost you a lot at different times and in different ways. It'll cost, it'll hurt. You will have scars and you're not gonna do things perfectly and neither am I, but you will know Jesus. You will know Jesus if you will embrace this cross of full of grace and full of truth. You may not be respected, liked, loved or valued, but you will make a way for salvation. You may not be loved, respected, valued, but you will make a way for redemption. You may not be loved, respected, and valued, but you will provide the opportunity for an anchor in the storm, for a way in the wilderness, for a river in the valley, and for life where there is death, if you will choose to embrace this cross. Yes, the world is full of sin, and God is full of grace. It's all true, and there's grace for it all. And I just wanna ask us this morning, Will we do it? Will we do it? What could God do with some Jesus people? I want you to stand as we close this morning. As we close our time worshiping like we always do. I just want to take these next last few minutes that we have to take a stand and just have a, have a decision moment with Jesus. I'll say, okay, Jesus, do I just want to take the easy way out or will I trust you? Will I follow you as you show me to walk this way of the cross? We're gonna have some people off to the sides to pray with you. If there's anything you need to respond to, if you need prayer for anything in your life, healing, if you need to repent of anything, if you need prayer for anything in your life, you are at church, get prayer. Nobody's looking at you anyway, so don't worry about what people think. Just go get what you need in God. 
If you're here this morning, you've never decided, okay, I want to follow Jesus. You need to know the truth is this morning, your sin has taken you far from God. You cannot overcome it yourself and you will not find life away from him. And there is grace. You need to do nothing to earn it. You need to do no works to earn it. There is grace for you right here, right now to be raised to life in Jesus. Don't leave without making that decision. Talk to somebody off to the side. Talk to the person who came with you this morning. Turn your life to Jesus. It's amazing. It's amazing. Anybody else who follows Jesus think so? Or am I? Okay, okay, okay. Well, you're invited, man. Like, come on. I'm going to pray for us, and I want us to worship. And I just want us to welcome the Holy Spirit. However you need to respond, just welcome him into your life and say, Holy Spirit, teach me. Teach me to live full of grace and full of truth. Lord, we love you this morning. And God, I ask for every single person, Lord, that you would help us get off the balance beam. Lord, I, help, I pray that you would keep us from being tossed by the wind and the waves. You would anchor us in Jesus. Anchor us in the cross. Holy Spirit, baptize us. Fill us with grace and fill us with truth this morning. We love you. We invite you. We welcome you in Jesus' name.